Good morning. What a privilege it is to be here with you on this Mother's Day. The last couple of years, Chris has asked me to share on Mother's Day, and it is an honor. Um, And it's so sweet to be able to see tiny little faces and faces of seniors who, parents, I know you are sending out today. It's poignant to see both in the same room, and I think that our graduating senior parents would say that it really does go by so quickly, doesn't it? So um, today on this Mother's Day, I want us to do something a little bit different in this brief time that I am charged with. Um, I am going to ask you to stand as we read the Word of God so that we can fully engage our minds, our body, and our spirit today. We are going to be reading from Luke 8, 42 through 48. So if you have your Bible, please turn there, and then the words will be up on the screen as well. Starts in Luke 8, verse 42, the second part of verse 42. It says, As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus says, said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let me pray for us while you guys are still standing. God, we know that today is a day full of a wide range of emotions. For some women, this is a day of joy, a day of celebration, and I know that this is also a day of hurt, of heartache, of grieving wounds, of dreams that have not been fulfilled, God, we bring all of these things to the table. God, we thank you that you are a God who knows the words on our tongue before we even speak them. And so you know the emotions, the hurts, the joys, the celebrations, the fears in each heart today. God, would you use your scripture to teach us today across centuries and across authors God, would your Holy Spirit speak through me this morning. God, we give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take a seat. So when we zoom out a bit in Luke 8, what we see is that this story is actually an interruption of sorts. So Jesus has come back from healing a man possessed by demons. If you've ever heard the story of Jesus casting out many demons and a herd of pigs, then taking on these demons and flinging themselves down the cliff, that is the story that has just happened. So the disciples are following Jesus. They've come back from that, and they've come back to this huge crowd that has, is waiting for him. And they're excited to see Jesus, to see what he's doing, to follow him. And so there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of probably even chaos of things. People are hearing stories and want to see, get up close to see what's happening. Now, 
there's this ruler of the synagogue, and he has come to Jesus. He's heard of what Jesus can do, and he has said, my daughter of 12 years old is dying. I believe you can help me. Will you please come to my home and heal my daughter? He's desperate. So as this crowd begins to move, following Jesus, there's a woman in the crowd. And she reaches and she touches just the fringe of Jesus' garment. And she knows in her body that she's immediately healed. And Jesus, sensing this, turns. And I imagine that the crowd probably stopped. And he addresses the crowd. And he says something to the effect of, who was it that touched me? Now, Henry Nowen has this quote that I love. He says, I used to complain about all the interruptions to my work until I realized that these interruptions were my work. I think Jesus demonstrates this for us throughout his ministry, and I think that it's also a good reminder for us as mothers that sometimes the hardest and the best work happens in those moments of interruption that God has great intention to use. Now, as this happens, and Jesus asks this question, nobody comes forward, and I imagine it's this awkward pause, this awkward silence of, is anyone going to admit that they are the one that touched him and peter kind of says jesus i mean there's this huge crowd it probably just you just were feeling everybody touching you but jesus says essentially no i I know someone touched me because i felt that power go out of me and then these beautiful words from jesus as this woman comes trembling and falling before him confessing what what she has done, confessing that she's touched him. We're going to talk more about why that was such a big deal. Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The first thing I see here today is this. When we encounter Jesus, he lifts our heads. When we encounter Jesus, he lifts our heads. Physically, I want us to picture the scene and what it would have been like. We have a massive crowd. Maybe picture what it would have been like to be if maybe you were even there. At the stadium, Houston Astros World Series 2019. I don't know if that's too soon. But imagine that, the tightness of the the people crowding around, where you can physically be in a crowd. This is way pre-COVID, right? This is a time that we. it's hard to even imagine because we're so distanced now that There used to be those times, right, where we were in crowds where we could actually physically smell the breath of somebody three people over, right? So that's this kind of crowd. It's a tight, kind of uncomfortable group of swarming people. But you can picture that when Jesus stopped to address this woman, that the crowd likely kind of parted a little bit, paused, and there was kind of a hush that fell across the crowd. And you can picture that she falls, she's trembling, she's shaking, she's terrified. She's probably embarrassed. And she's on this dirty, dusty ground that everyone has been trampling on. And Jesus, where he stands, he looks down at her. He speaks these beautiful words to her, and her countenance lifts. And he looks into her eyes, and she's probably surprised 
had these gracious, beautiful words that he just spoke to her. Not only did he physically lift her head, but he also did so figuratively in the way that he spoke to her in a way that nobody ever had. We know for at least for 12 years that most likely this woman didn't have anyone speak to her in this way. Our family is currently watching the show called The Chosen. I don't know if any of you have watched that in this room, but it's a wonderful show of just imagining what it must have been like to have Jesus walk the earth and do these miraculous things and interact with people and be both fully God and fully human. And there's this moment with this character where Jesus encounters her and she is completely transformed. He lifts her head. And just a few weeks later, somebody sees her and has seen what she was like before. And this man is mesmerized. He's in awe. And he asks her, what has happened to you to make you so different? And these are her words. She says, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Folks, there's another famous character in the Bible you may be familiar with who testifies to God lifting his head. This is King David, and he's fleeing from his son Absalom, who is seeking to destroy him. And he is absolutely terrified. And he's crying out to God, and he's saying that he's fearful of what's going to happen to him. But in verse 3 of Psalm chapter 3, he says this, almost to remind himself of who God is. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and, what does he say, the lifter of my head. Amen. We see God do this throughout scripture in a way that is miraculously not condescending, but in a way that shifts entire perspectives, provides hope, and brings about restoration. At the Woven Retreat back in January, we studied Revelation 21. And our speaker, Natalie West, shared with us in this passage, she reminded us of the beautiful truth that we are promised that one day, if we know Christ, when we get to new creation, that God himself will wipe every tear from every eye. I can barely even picture that without just crying. God is the lifter of our heads. It's not just what he does, but it is who he is. He cannot help himself but continue to lift our heads. The second thing I want to highlight today that we see in this passage is this. When we encounter Jesus, he gives us value. He gives us value. We know from historical context in Leviticus 15 that this woman would have been considered ceremoniously unclean for 12 years. So what that meant was that if she had been married, her husband would have been able to divorce her. If she had gone to the temple, she would have been sent away. Anything that this woman touched for 12 years was considered unclean. 
And anyone who touched the things that she touched was also considered unclean. So here we have a woman who is completely ostracized from society for 12 years. Let me just pause here and and just ask you guys a question. How many of you guys have been sick in the past year? How many of you guys have experienced just a little bit of the tinge of that shame when you have to call somebody and say, I'm really sorry. I know we had dinner last night. I promise I had no symptoms. But this morning, I tested positive. Right? And in that moment, there's a little bit of a fear of, oh, no, I know. I'm so sorry. Now, hopefully, if you have good friends, they don't shun you. Right? But we, we've just maybe experienced a taste of that this year, right? What is it like to feel like, ooh, I shouldn't touch this, or, oh, I'm, I'm coughing a little bit, and so I need to kind of stay away, right? And there's good reason for that. But this woman, probably at the core of her being, felt like a complete outcast. And it was a huge risk for her to come into a crowd of people to seek help from Jesus. Imagine this woman dreading that kind of shame and disgust from others falling, being so fearful of what's going to be said to her. And Jesus giving her the only name we know of that she has. To this day, we do not know the name of this woman, but what does God call her? What does Jesus call her in verse 48? What does he call her? Daughter. He calls her daughter. He lifts her head and he calls her daughter. Sometimes we expect to be shamed, to be shunned. I remember coming upon a large mess I knew my daughter had made when she was about four years old. It was one of those moments that doesn't bring out the best in you as a parent. There was a pot that had spilled, it had broken, a plant was on the ground, and Um, She was just kind of sitting around like nothing had happened. And I asked her this question. I said, "Mm." well, first I said, do you know who made this mess? And she said, "Mm." you know, kind of, I don't know, I'm not going to claim it quite yet. And I said, well, do you think this mess was on purpose or on accident? She thought for a moment, she's a really clever kid. She had this kind of very straight face, and she said, hmm, which one is the good one, and which one is the bad one? (laughs) I thought that was pretty smart. We know that because this woman trembled and fell at Jesus' feet, that she was expecting to be shunned, to be mocked, to be cast out even further. But that's not what happens. Jesus gives her a new name, the name she was always meant to carry. He claims her and he honors her before this crowd. Had to feel so good. You guys, I love the word of God. If you are not studying God's word on a regular basis, God is not mad at you, but you are missing out. It is so, so good. Did you know that this same story we're reading today in Luke chapter 8 is also recorded from different perspectives in Mark chapter 5 and also in Matthew chapter 9? 
But what is so very powerful about studying the word of God is that it is beautifully woven together in ways that we don't miss unless we mine it and seek the treasure that's inside of it. If you flip back, I want you to write these verses down. This week, we're not going to get have time to read there, but this week, I want you to take some time to read these verses. In Numbers 15, verses 37 through 40, God first tells the people, he instructs them, put tassels on the outer edge of your garments. Put four tassels on the outer edge of your garments. And he says, I want you to do this to remember who I am, to remember what I have done for you, and to remind yourselves to obey me. That when they see a tassel, that their hearts would be stirred to remember. That they would see these tassels and that they would know, I am a chosen son or daughter of God. So when this woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, maybe she even reached for a tassel. It was her way of acknowledging him as Lord, of saying, God, I believe that I am your daughter. Of her reaching to him just like a child reaches for the parent that they are dependent on, that they trust. So maybe a better way to say this is that when we encounter Jesus, he reminds us of the value we already have in him. Guys, he called her daughter and he honored her before all of these witnesses. But this is not the first time the person of God has encountered this woman. He made her. So he had given her value from the beginning. The third thing I want us to see in this passage and countless other Jesus interactions throughout the scriptures is this. When we encounter Jesus, he sends us out with purpose. And seniors, I want to specifically talk to you guys today. When we encounter Jesus, he sends us out with purpose. Notice what he says to this woman. He says three simple words. He says, go in peace. The message phrases it like this. Daughter, you took a risk in trusting me. And now you are healed and whole. Live well and live blessed. I can imagine that peace, soul peace, was not something this woman knew very much of for 12 years. Now, I wish so bad that we could see what the rest of her days look like, but it is evident that her story was not being done written, done being written. Guys, when we follow Jesus, We are invited into a life of good, meaningful, eternal work, a life of purpose. He was saying to her, in a sense, not only is my work not done with you, but the work I have for you is not yet complete. The work I have for you is not yet complete. We saw this last year when we looked at Peter on Mother's Day, and we looked at how Jesus called him 
to no longer fish in the same way he had before, but to now be a fisher of men. And the original text there, it was like that Jesus was saying to him, before you caught fish to kill fish. Now you catch men for new life. There's this beautiful contrast there. So Peter's purpose had completely shifted. I've heard countless prayer requests in these last couple of months about depression, anxiety, loneliness. And what I want to shout to you today is this. Do not give up. Do not give up. Guys, The life that Jesus has called you to, you cannot begin to fully imagine from where you are standing how good it is going to be. A wonderful woman named Elizabeth Elliot said this, The will of God is never exactly what you expect it to be. It may seem to be much worse, but in the end it is going to be a lot better And a lot bigger. Guys, do not give up. Do not. I recently spent some time asking women, what is the most common positive emotion you experience on a regular basis? And I also asked, what is the most common negative emotion you experience on a regular basis? Some of the positive emotions that I heard were love, joy, Gratitude, pride, satisfaction. Some of the most common negative emotions, this list was a little bit longer and a little more varied. It said, some people said frustration, anger, guilt, worry, fear, regret, doubt, inadequacy. Exhaustion, overwhelmed, insecure. The most common thought I heard was something to the effect of this. Am I doing enough? Or did I do enough? Ladies, I know that the echoes of guilt, insecurity, regret, self-doubt, sometimes those echoes are really loud. And that's what we're hearing more, more than anything else. But guys, we serve a God who when everyone around us is looking down and maybe questioning, doubting, Jesus is looking in our eyes and he's lifting our heads. We serve a God who, when we get so caught up in the performance of our children and if they're doing what we want them to do or not or how we've trained them, that he looks down at us and he says, hey, forget that. You are my daughter. That is always where your value lies. Not in anything else. You are my daughter. 
We serve a God who, when we are caught up in the mundane of the day-to-day and wondering if the small and the big sacrifices even matter, Jesus promises us that a life lived for him is a life of purpose. When I was 21 years old, I was walking with God, and I sensed God calling me to go to Bolivia. I didn't know where it was on the map. I literally got out a world globe to find it and discovered it wasn't in Africa, where I thought it was. It was actually in South America. And so you can imagine me telling my parents, I feel like God's calling me to go teach at a school that I found in Bolivia. And when I got to Bolivia, I didn't know... Spanish. I didn't know a single person. I was dating my now husband, but he wasn't coming with me. I was doing this by myself. And God somehow, in his goodness, entrusted me with a class of 18 fifth grade kids, awkward kids. And just yesterday, 15 years later, one of those students reached out to me. I have not spoken to that kid in years. Guys, seniors, parents, you cannot begin to fathom the beautiful, powerful, meaningful, eternal work that God has for you. Your purpose will never be in the major that you claim, or the school that you go to, your purpose will always be in following Jesus. Your value will always be in being a son or a daughter of God. And when you feel ashamed, he is looking in your eyes and he is lifting your head. Let me pray for you today. Father God, God, thank you so much. Thank you for your word, God. It's so amazing. God, thank you that you came and you walked among us and that you showed us what God was like. Jesus, that you encountered us in your humanness and in your divinity, God. Thank you for lifting our heads, God. Lord, I want to lift up the parents in this room. I want to lift up the single people in this room. I want to lift up the married people, God. I want to lift up the children in this room, the seniors in this room. God, would you send us out with purpose today? Would you remind us of the value we have in you first, God, above all else? God, thank you for inviting us into this good life, this meaningful life, God, that can be so hard, God. But in your kindness, sometimes you remind us of how fruitful and beautiful and powerful it can be, God. In Jesus' name, amen.